Abortion is moral. Oh boy. I'm glad I'm debating him instead of you. This is Apologetics Live with Matt Slick and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast Community. All right, we are live, Apologetics Live, every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, to answer your apologetic questions, challenges, debates, whatever you may have. We are here with uh, Matt Slick from Karma.org, that is Christian Apologetics Research Ministry. I'm Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity, and we are here to answer your questions. And uh, tonight, we are, there was a debate that went on with... Um, uh, on Calvinism with James White, and I did, I did, in you know, shoot a message over to Leighton Flowers, who is doing a live uh, watch party, and then an after show, and I said, hey, why don't you come on over here and inform us on the debate? <laughs> and um, Matt, as folks may be coming in here, uh, we'll maybe we'll you will talk about the debate you had with Leighton on on some of the issues of Calvinism. Uh, and if folks want to join, you can go to apologeticslive.com, apologeticslive.com, and there is a link to join that is on there. If you're on that page already, you may have to refresh the page so that you can get the link. So we're here every Thursday night, except for next week. As a note, uh, we will not be uh, having the Apologetics Live next week. So just so you know, but Matt, we are making some good headway on the Christian, the Christian uh, podcast community. Uh, We got some news. Someone, you know, uh, Justin Peters, we just got him set up. He's got, he's finally after like a year, actually a year and three months, I think he said he will, he's going to finally be podcasting again. And so good. Just getting that set up. And for you, you know Justin for some of the stuff he does with the Word of Faith, but yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's 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 the best with that. And yet, and yet, what he really likes to talk about is theology and things like that. So that's mostly what he's going to do on on his uh, podcast is some things that he's not as known for speaking on. So, looking forward to that. Yeah. So, Matt, uh, you were recently on. uh, I think the. I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, Arab radio. Um, trying to look for right ABN. ABN. Uh, Aramaic Broadcasting Network, right? Yes. So now you guys were discussing parallels between Joseph Smith and Muhammad. And right. here, as we wait for folks to come in, maybe we could talk about that. Because I, I remember when I was studying Islam, noticing the similarities. And I, I thought it was really strange. And then a, a mutual friend of ours, Eric Johnson, actually told me he wrote a little booklet. And I, I have it somewhere on the similarities between Joseph and Muhammad. So while we wait for some folks to come in, what are some of those similarities? I don't know. <laughs> you do. So what were you yeah. on ASAP? I, I like doing that to you. You know, <laughs> I do. Because here you are ready, and I just derail your train. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you want me to do the parallels, I could do that. <laughs> well, actually, I released an article uh, for it. Both say the Bible's corrupted. 
both say that the Bible prophesies their particular prophets. Both say that uh, their prophets received angelic um, information by which um, <clears throat> by which the truth was restored. Both have a sacred new revelation. Um, both say that their new book is the only correct one, or most correct. Uh, both, this is something a lot, not a lot of bring out, but uh, both groups associate their prophet with salvation. Um, you, you know, some LDS people say that you have to accept Joseph Smith as a true prophet or you can't be uh, saved. And, uh, of course, you know, you must obey a Muhammad, excuse me, uh, Allah and his prophet and things like that, a similar kind of thing. Both groups say their uh, God is the only true God and that their religion is the only true religion. Both deny the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, both have, like I said, additional scriptures. Both um, teach salvation by works. Both Now, Joseph Smith used to teach, and he did taught. Uh, polygamy was was part of their religion. And Muhammad taught the same thing. So does Islam. And both um, groups, you have the issue of testimony. In that uh, the Shahada in Islam is to say there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And in Mormonism, you're supposed to say, basically, I bear my testimony that Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God and that the Book of Mormon is true and the LDS Church or the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the uh, true and restored church. And these are the professions that qualify you as being uh, um, official members of their groups. So there's a lot of similarities. And there's differences, too, but there's a lot, those are the similarities. You know, there's actually more that you could add to there here because oh, you, yeah. you have you have both of them. Uh, married and had sex with girls at very young ages, preteen. Oh, yeah. You have both of them, and this is what I first picked up on that thought, interesting. Both of them uh, had received some revelation they claimed from an angel, though they doubted it was an angel at first, and both of them were in a cave or in darkness when that happened. Right. What I'm trying to do is find documentation for both of them. And uh, so I ran out of time because, it, you know, I just got so much to do. But uh, where, okay, let me ask you, where's the issue of, of darkness with a revelation in, in Joseph Smith's case? Well, supposedly it got dark just before there was a light, right? It, my understanding from the, mm -hmm. uh, remember, remember if it was the first account or, or he had like eight different versions of it. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I think it was either the first or the third account where it was dark. It, he was in the woods, it was dark, and then all of a sudden there was this bright light. Yeah, there's that. But also, what I like is that in order for him to get the revelation of the truth of the Book of Mormon, uh, he had to uh, put his head in a hat yes. and seal the light so that uh, there was no light present in the hat and he'd get revelation. Correct. Yeah. That, so, yeah. Which is, and, he, and for folks that don't realize, he, he supposedly translated the Book of Mormon letter by letter. He'd stick his head in this hat and see a letter appear and... and that's how they got that. He's whacked. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if I was hard to call, I'd do it differently. Yeah. You got me. So, okay. You got me nervous last week with that guy, Ron Rand, that I hope he comes back. But um, oh, he, I think he is here. Good. Uh, you got me nervous. Uh, you and I talked about this off air, but you and I were at your house and we were coming up with a thing when we had our old show of doing a, like a skit of creating our own cult. Right. And <laughs> I remember we're sitting at your kitchen table. And we, I mean, we were just coming up with really crazy, funny ideas. And all of a sudden, you uh -huh. like, I, I said something. I don't remember what it was. And you got all serious, like all of a sudden. And you're like, we can't do this. We can't do this. I'm like, what? That was funny. You're like, no, no, we can't do this. And I'm like, what's wrong? And you, you like suddenly got serious. You're like, look, we can't do this skit. 
if we do this skit, someone will actually believe this. Someday yeah. we're going to be coming up and saying, look, we invented this cult. <laughs> and some people yeah. are going to be deceived by this. We can't do this. Yeah. We're so afraid of that. And then last last week with Ron, Ron, Ron uh, yeah, he's starting his own religion. R A L L. And and you're like, oh, I'll help you start a religion. I was like, no. Yeah, but what was the reason I said that, though? <laughs> well, I think we'll get to that when we get him on. Because <laughs> no. you did discuss that on the after show at, over at the right. council. Yeah. So uh, there was a question that came in before the show started from Levi, uh, a okay. good Jewish name. And by the way, you had you had on the, your recent Matt Slick Live podcast, you had a guy, David, a Jewish guy that you talked to on Pal Talk. Right. Oh, we, we got to get that guy out here where you can discuss that longer, where he was denying Christ as, as Messiah. That, unfortunately, the time with radio limits you to going through things that right. it would have been great to have a longer discussion with him. But Levi asks this question. He said, what is the will of the Father? Well, the Father is that we listen to Jesus. Okay. That's one thing. Well, the will of the Father is, is hear him. This is my beloved son. Hear him. The will of the Father is specifically that we listen to Jesus Christ. So that's what we're supposed to be doing. Real quick, to be basic. Yeah. So, if, and if Levi, if you yeah, are there's, watching, there's more. Right? But yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Levi comes in, we. I, I mean, I'm sure he had more to that. Um. So let's see. So I'll first add in. Cat was the first one in, but Cat's always quiet and doesn't say anything. Well, she said she's got a little, uh, you know, cold or something. She may not be talking. So. Yeah. Uh, you don't you know, want to hear this mess. Trust me, it's a hot, nasty mess. <laughs> hey, just go get some pure vitamin C, mix it equal measurements uh, of baking soda. There, there's a relationship between those. And um, and just go through and, and do it. Take care of it. Will that baking soda be effervescent? It makes, yeah, the combination makes it bubble. And after about two minutes, the bubbling stops. And someone told me about oh. this. I forget what the reason was. But, but it, it's gone, you know. The effervescence leaves. And then it's just... Uh, it's not bad, not good tasting, but there's a combination between the two that does something, blah, 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 blah. It's really good for you. I'll look into that. Thank you. In the meantime, yeah. I'll try to be quiet because I'm just too wet tonight. <laughs> All, some right. All right. And the blah, 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 blah is your technical language there, Matt? Yeah. And uh, which means I don't remember what it was I'm trying to sound intelligent and I blah, blah, blah my way through it, which doesn't really work anyway. So that's, that's about it. <laughs> hey, listen, so since since this next conversation might go long, <clears throat> let, let me let me give a plug for our sponsor early rather than later, because I want to add uh, Raul in and he's going to correct me. I probably butchered his name like four different times, four different ways. But <laughs> <laughs> correct me um and I, f I forget actually his real i, I think he has is that's not his real name i think it, he gave that on the after show but anyway uh we're sponsored here by my pillow um actually it's the metzlik live radio show that's sponsored by my pillow but we use that here um to help pay for well Matt's radio station, not what you're listening to here, or Matt's radio program. But uh, my pillow is one of the best pillows. Matt yeah. and I both use it. We love them. Uh, they stay just as firm when you put your head down on the pillow as when you get up in the morning. It is a wonderful thing. And it it's still, I mean, mine is, I think, five or six years old, and it's still just as firm. Uh, hasn't changed. It has like a 10-year uh, warranty, which is nice. And I may, on the rap report, uh, may be actually interviewing Mike Liddell from My Pillow. So that's hopefully going to happen in January. But yeah. if you want to get a My Pillow and sleep like Matt and I do, and we know that I sleep 
better than Matt, but much less time. <clears throat> That's because you don't have as much brain activity. No, I, I don't need as much sleep as you because I just go right to sleep. I don't fight it. You just go to sleep because you don't work your brain. I'm always working. <laughs> and uh, so my brain needs more rest. Apparently, you don't need much rest. So that was, I tell you. <clears throat> well, I, I think more what it is, is that my brain is actually just working. It goes right into sleep mode. And then I'm back because I'm, I only need a couple of hours. Unlike you who, you know, you need that long, like eight hours. Yeah, so, I need eight hours. You get, you get more use out of your my pillow than I do. That's right. I really like it. But yeah, the, if you want to order a, a my pillow, just mention that you've heard it here on Apologex Live and the Matt Slick Live Show. You can order it at one eight hundred nine four four five three nine six. That's one eight hundred nine four four five three nine six, and let them know you heard it on Apologex Live and Matt Slick Live. And so with that, I want to bring, and he's going to cry. You're, uh, you can unmute yourself and correct me on the proper pronunciation of your name, or give me if that's not your real name, let me know. Oh yeah, that's my online name. Yeah. Um, yeah, raw, raw, like all raw. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know everyone was, I, I got confused because I, I watched the after show last week and everyone was referring you by, I guess your real name. And I was like, who's that? Oh, I know. I logged in with the wrong one to the after show. I'm still new to all this. <laughs> all right. So you were in last week, your mic was just not working well. Uh, now you're saying you're new to it, but I see you got that green screen behind you. So I don't know. I do, I do, but that's, I just chucked that up there. I, I've, I've never really done anything like online or anything, but I thought I might as well be ready. Yeah. Well, it's clearly, you know, I saw that you lifted it up. So it's, there must be a mess behind there. You're hiding. It's cool. Well, I have a lot of, I have, yeah, it's not so much a mess, but there's some things I don't want you to see. <laughs> Secret things. <laughs> Those are the rituals for his new religion, Matt. So um, you guys started a conversation last week on the after show. Why don't you guys pick that up here? I'm sure you have some more questions that you guys couldn't get to because Matt had to go. Oh, that's right. I, I, I have updated my, my moral axiom, and I think it's more inclusive now and more self-evident. That's kind of interesting. Um, if so what Matt, moral, what's your moral axiom then? Okay, let's see here. My, my new moral axiom, I just modified it just a little bit, but let's see, the action is, an action is moral or immoral to the degree that it knowingly fulfills or denies the fulfillment of the needs of individuals to the degree those needs are needed. You got a problem. An action doesn't know anything. Well, I didn't say an action knows anything. You said, yeah, you did. An well, individual you t- you, knows something. An action is blah, 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 insular as it is knowing. Or it knows. Hey, it was the antecedent. It was the action, so that doesn't work. But anyway, you mean the person performing the action. An action is moral or immoral to the degree that it knowingly fulfills. Yes. So an action doesn't have any cognition. It's okay. just an action. A ball rolling down a hill is an action. It doesn't have any um, knowledge. Do you think you could interpret it more charitably? Well, uh, an action uh, performed by a person. By a person, yeah. An yeah. action performed by someone. <laughs> knowingly or not and if it's is, unknowingly that adds to the that adds to the immorality yeah. or morality. is and you're saying that when a person does something it's moral or immoral to the degree well that, that then what do you mean to the degree, to the so, degree that means you know in one sense in one case you know it can be lower it can be more moral or less moral than in another case okay so it's not about degrees of morality it's just moral or immoral so you don't no, have any degrees of morality that's why no, you don't have degrees. No, 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 no. You're letting us listening. The statement is problematic. An action is moral or immoral to the degree. So 
now you're saying you just told me that there's degrees of morality but that's not what you're talking right. about mm-hmm. the degree where degree there is used differently in the how you're wording it an action is moral or immoral if that's all you should say if right. the person doing the action knowingly fulfills or denies uh uh the needs of individuals okay fulfills or denies the needs of individuals that's all it is yeah okay. so let me help you out and i'll show you why even that doesn't work okay uh a person's watch this person's action is moral you have to say moral or immoral it's just moral because immorality is a form of moral morality there's good and there's bad okay is moral an action is uh, a person's action is moral if it fulfills the needs of individuals that, that's the kind of thing you're talking about to the degree those needs are needed but that doesn't really that doesn't doesn't say anything use that to, to the degree to that needs need. so. See, i'm only going, working with your logic uh, you ha- you, there's no way this is, is defensible, your position. Well, even when, when we get it down, it's still not defensible. But look, okay. you know, I'm just going to help you and show you that that, uh, that that level of thinking that you've got to do in order to do something like this has got to be a little more clear. But even then, when you get it uh, nailed, then I, I can just shred it, and I'll show okay, you. Well, well let's, let's nail it and then put, it, put a conundrum through it. Uh, so... You could say a person's action is moral if it fulfills the needs of individuals. Okay, that's a really, that's a simplistic way of it, but it's usually moral to the degree that the needs are needed. I mean, because you know, if you well, if, if their needs are needed, yeah. by definition, a need is what's needed. Otherwise, it's not a need. So it's no, tautologist. So you don't need. say that. There's different levels of need that we have to address. Well, you're not you're not talking about that. You're talking yeah, about I just know. morality. You have to have another statement. Morality has different degrees. That's what Depending I have in my statement. That would be a second sentence. No, it's all in yes. that one sentence. Okay. But... I, I have an initiation um, uh, ceremony for you and your new religion. I, yeah. I, I already have one, but what, what's yours? Oh, mine's better. Uh, everybody has a standard attention facing north, magnetic or, or due north, but north is good. And generally, uh, you have to do it um, at sundown because you want the darkness coming up upon you. And then what you do is you stand at attention and you can salute as you move your hand. This is the new religion salute like this. All right. And then you look to your left. And this is because it's not going to be right. It has to be left because you're not right. It's left. And then you slap yourself three times. And then you go back, lower your hand to your side, and then that's the initiation ceremony. What does that? What does that? What needs does that fulfill? Uh, the needs of me being funny, uh, because uh, what I do with people is I say, I take your right hand and put it for your face. Look to your left. Now slap yourself upside the head. And I say this to people when they say things that don't make any sense. They're trying to defend the indefensible. So okay. I was thinking to help you out that you could do this. Could be the advanced level or even just the mediocre level getting right in there because because you don't have anything that you can justify all this with all you're doing is making stuff up you're making it up okay well let's why go is it good see if it works and say oh i guess it's true if it works well that that means it's it's consistent with reality no so no. a man is walking along a path next to a a, a cliff Okay. 20 feet to his right or 10 feet to his right but to the left is a cliff to his right is a forest he's walking along a tiger jumps out at him he ducks tiger goes over the cliff the man theorizes all i have to do whenever a tiger jumps at me is just duck and i'll be saved that's his theory so he walks another 50 feet another tiger jumps and he tests his theory by ducking and what lo and behold he's saved a third tiger the same thing he has now verified repeatedly that 
all you got to do is duck whenever a tiger jumps, and you'll be safe. Yeah, if you're by a cliff. Didn't say that. Well, then he's all he said, here's the, you, you got to understand something. You know, I'm just telling you. Listen, listen. That's not the, right. The point is, just because something works doesn't mean it's true. Mm. That's the illustration. You don't say something's true or morally good because it works. If I if I were to slap well, my wife in order to make her do make me a sandwich and it worked, if I were to slap my wife and I were to make her make a sandwich by doing that, it doesn't because it works doesn't mean it's good. I don't know. There's a certain utility to things being able to work. I mean, you wouldn't want a moral axiom that didn't work. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for for folks listening, Matt just put his hand in front of his face, <laughs> signaling. Him to do the same thing. It's okay. <laughs> okay, dude, you, you don't have any logic. You don't have any basis. All you have is subjectivity. Well, your your system of philosophy is flawed. Tell me why that works, why that is with regard to this specific moral axiom. Hold on one sec, Matt. R- Raul, when, when you and Matt both talk, we hear nothing. So you oh guys gotta, <clears throat> I, know, I know you're new to it, but you got to give that pauses. Thanks. Okay, here, real simply, um, why is some, what someone, their needs, why does that make something moral? Because needs are objective. Human because needs what? Are objective. Needs what? are what? Human needs are objective, and, you know, they ought to hey, be. Wait, 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 what do you mean they're objective? What do you mean? Everybody has the exact same need all the time? No, but people have objective human needs that we can objectify. So give me, a, give me a need. Oxygen. Okay. Let's start at the bottom. So breathing. All right. So why is that a moral issue? Well, when you deny someone's need for oxygen, that's a big problem. That's a moral infraction, especially if you. Why is it a moral need. infraction? Why? Because they die. Because that's a. Why need. is that a, Why is that a moral issue? <clears throat> well, you don't think people have needs? Have objective. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to to justify your position. Yeah, why is that a moral thing? You know, the basis of morality. I mean, that's the way we all Why act. is if it the basis of if, morality? If there's a baby that needs milk and is crying for it, what's the right thing to do? Uh, I'm asking you what justifies. You know, you, you, you're begging the question. You're arguing in a circle. Look, let me what, you, what you, look. So they need to breathe. Therefore, it's good. So what is good? Breathing. Well, how do you know breathing is, is good? Because that's what breathe. Because that's what good is. It's self. Well, how do you know what's good? That's what breathing is. It's, it's circular. We need a self-evident maxim. Maxim. For who says who says breathing is good? I say breathing is. Everybody that breathes says breathing is good. And what there's do you mean by no, good? There's nobody that says well breathing sucks. No. It's well, universal. well, yes, there are. There are it's people who say breathing universal. sucks when they have severe asthma, when they're they have pneumonia and they're in pain and breathing is difficult for them. Yeah, but it's I've had all that and it's still good to breathe, man. Look, dude, you said nobody says breathing sucks. Yes, I've had there are people who that, say that. All of that horrible kind of breathing and still I appreciate breathing. I appreciated it more. Um, Rolf, you know, I'm trying to get you to show to show you that you're incredibly illogical and you have no basis for justifying your opinions on what is moral or not moral. Well, why do you think that needs are, are an improper basis for, for, for morality? Obviously, you know, the best thing that we can do is fulfill needs. My need is for you to not talk like that and try and develop your own thinking and religion because it's very bad. It causes me stress and strain to see someone illogical who's going to injure other people. That's my need. So that's a good thing, right? 
Well, it depends how needful that is in our interaction. Oh, it's very needful. Do your needs trump mine? Maybe. It, it's it's very needful. I mean, obviously, I'm the kind of guy where this is very serious for me. I've spent decades working with people about the issue of truth and trying to re- get them to stop stuff so you know, that are bad teaching. So obviously, it's very, very serious need for me, isn't it? Uh, how much? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your need level? Oh, 12. And what do you base that on? What's your foundation? We talked about my needs. My needs are what I need, so it's my, my personal need. And oh, you said that? needs are objective. So they my are. need... Have you heard of master objective? I'm sorry, so my need is objective. So my need means that you have to obey it. If it's, if if it's my need, it, it's objective. It's not objective yet until we put it, you know, on some kind of ranking. And I would su- I would suggest Maslow's hierarchy of need. Where does your need fit into Maslow's hierarchy of need? Well, who says Maslow's right? It's a great starting place. Who says he's right? I Why would we start right. there? there who says it's a great starting place? I say it, and you know when it when it doesn't look, make it right. When we look at at the hierarchy of need, it's obvious that that infractions against the lower part of the hierarchy of need are worse, morally worse than infractions against the higher. So part Maslow of the Maslow knows the need. He knows the needs of all people in all situations and can declare what is morally correct. Is that what his his hierarchical needs is? He has put out an objective uh, thing about needs. Yeah, starting with you know survival needs like oxygen and food and shelter and things those things are important and you know infractions against those are you know objectively morally worse than infractions okay. and safety. You know, Andrew asked me a question I'm gonna that's a good good question here so what do you think about abortion killing uh, the life in the womb of the mother you for it or against it mm, what do you mean for it or against it I, are you for abortion killing the life in the womb or not no, no I'm not for killing anything you're not anything so not you have no problem anything. with someone killing I don't. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not for killing things, you know. If so, I then it's abortion if, wrong. If the mother's need trumps the trumps the fetuses, oh. I guess that that. Oh, so it, and now so it's then like, so then what you're the saying fetus. is what you're saying is the if the mother's need trumps the need of the baby, then it's okay to kill the baby if her needs are greater. Well, for example, my 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 uh, my wife's sister, you know, she had a what is it called when they have a, a baby in the in the wrong part of their body? It was like in the tube. in vitro or or no, it's not in vitro. It's a fallopian tube. Where she was going to die. <clears throat> yeah. No, look, we're not talking about super exceptions. Look, that's not. Yes, a super should, should, it, it uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just some woman wants to kill the baby in her because it is it's an inconvenience. Okay, is that okay? Man, I, I told you I'm not for killing. Matt and Raw, take take a breather. You guys got to stop talking over each other. <laughs> this time it was Matt. <laughs> so look, the, so just a woman doesn't like the idea of it being pregnant. It's inconvenient. It might cost her uh, a boyfriend, a job, whatever. She doesn't like it. it. Might get her stretch marks. So she decides to kill the baby. Is that okay? Because her needs are greater than the baby's. That make it okay? I don't. I don't think that the needs of a, a baby for survival can be trumped by someone's need for a job. So then, are you against that? Yeah, yeah. That According okay. to the moral axiom that I put out there, that, that would obviously be an immoral act. So, um, so you think abortion is wrong, or just some abortions? Well, if the, if the needs of the mother, you know, are greater than the needs of the fetus, okay. you know, because, because so a, then, a woman has more needs than a fetus does. I mean, she has more needs than... <laughs> Simple survival. She has social needs. She has all these other needs. Yeah, but you know, you know wait, wait, wait. She just has basic survival needs at that moment. You know, so you sure. have to make a decision, especially if you know the mom, mother's you know life is on the line, right? 
if the baby's need is to live versus the mother's need to go be social and not be pregnant so she can get another boyfriend, see, yeah, what you're doing, wrong. then it's wrong. You're saying it's wrong. Okay. Right. Because of the needs. Because of the need. Yeah. So that life is superior to having life is superior to the having a boyfriend or a job. The need superior to the need for a job. Okay. So then what would be the exceptions to that? The only exception would be if a mother's going to die for sure, then because both will die, then you uh, take the life of the, the baby. Is that, that's the only exception then? Mm, I, I don't know. I guess it, it, you would go down to needs. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't have all of the medical things figured out. That would be... Okay. Um, mm. So have you got people who want to follow you in this? It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. We have, a, we have a group and stuff. It's fun. How many of there are you? About 30, 40 of us so far. And where do you meet? In our house. And you guys are inventing a religion? Mm -hmm. Me, mostly. I have most of the ideas. Where do you live? Should I tell you? City, state. That's a good. Oh, okay. Portland, Oregon. Okay. Yeah, I'm out there every now and then. Um, yeah, it'd be to, fun to. I used to live outside Boise. Oh, okay. Yeah, May I ask? Are you this. creating this for funsies and kicks? And this is a genuine question. I'm not trying to disrespect your idea at this point. Well, I mean, never. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Are you tr are you trying to form this, you know, thing for fun? Wouldn't it be funny if we did this and see how many followers we got? Or is the whole purpose of this, these are your beliefs and you want to spread your beliefs to others like a lot of religions do? Or what is what is your goal or reasoning behind doing this? Because obviously, you're, well, I feel like right now what you're saying is that you're just making this all up. And so therefore, you know, it's it, it doesn't sound like a serious effort to have a religion. Oh, thanks so, for, yeah. Thanks for the question, Kat. Um, it's it's absolutely serious. Um, absolutely serious. I, I think it's important that we have um, and I don't want to I don't want to be blasphemous or anything, but I think it's important for us to have a really good, a good religion that is started, you know, with absolute, you know, reasonable foundations and you know something that that can grow you know logically and reasonably throughout the years i think it's really important and you know obviously it's morality is important to me you know like i've, I've been talking about and um yeah there's there's nothing so, that i know of that is you know facetious or you know so how serious is this group of people who want to do this pretty serious and that they want to actually start another religion yeah what are you going to call it maslonianism it's called, no it's called the one religion that's right the one religion Mm -hmm. And have you got a list of tenets of this one religion? No, we have. We we're trying to go from. We no, no. We have a moral axiom. We also have in our in our book, which is unpublished as of yet. But we also have have the Ten Commandments in there for moralness and. Wait, 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 wait. You mean the biblical the Ten, Ten Commandments? Commandments? What? The biblical Ten Commandments? The biblical Ten Commandments. Yeah, they're there for. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, the biblical whoa, whoa, Ten Commandments. What? The biblical Ten Commandments say not to have any other god before God and not to make any other idols, not any idols at all. So yeah. how? So your religion now has the Christian God as a true God? It's a crowdsourced religion, Matt. We can we can you know introduce whatever we wish, you know. But for consideration, I introduced the the tenets of Hinduism. The, the what is it, the what, let me see here. I the there's a real nice passage in the Quran about it's kind of their Ten Commandments, and I use the Ten Commandments of Judaism, the five Buddhist precepts, and the Ten Commitments of Hinduism. And I also chucked in John 17 because I really like it. What about something from Hitler? 
how about something good that he said? Why? Well, I'm not. That's... Not because if you're going to pull from the Quran and you're going to pull, yeah. pull from other places mm-hmm. that allow for uh, various, depending on the religions, allowing for very immoral actions. Why not pull something? Because I'm sure I'll promise you right now, Hitler said something that was maybe beautiful and touching and heartwarming in his life. If it's a crowd, if it's crowd, <laughs> you know, crowd, fun, not crowd funded or not, but crowd source. Yeah, you can bring you, you just need to get a, enough neo Nazis to join, and even his worst Hitler's worst things exactly. will be part of his religion. Exactly. Yeah. And you're okay with that? If if you have that, I mean, that people coming in, and this, these are all honest questions. I'm really trying not to insult you. Um, that you're okay with people who are going to come in and say that one race in this world is the supreme race, and you're okay with them coming and being a part of your church and being a representative of this religion that you're creating. That's okay with you? Well, that doesn't mean that they're correct about what they assert. Certainly, and anything that they that they do assert, you know, is going to have to be vetted by the rest of the congregation. And you know, unreasonable things like racism is going to drop out quickly. It's not logical. So let me let me ask you a question. Um, you're, you're creating this religion, right? Um, with this religion, um, where does truth fit in? Well, hopefully, in all levels. I mean, if we if we can't prove things reasonably, you know, we're not going to regard them as as true. Hopefully. How do you, how do you know what truth is? Well, I guess we can use you know justified true belief if you want to. What does that mean? That's word salad. Is it? Yeah, because it didn't make any sense. Casserole. It's a religious casserole. <laughs> Justified yeah. true belief well, isn't, yeah, it's, isn't a decent. It's just whatever he feels. For knowledge. So okay. you guys establish truth by vote? No. Well, I, we're we're going we're to establish the the scriptures. Those are going to be raised or lowered, kind of like Reddit. Maybe you know things will get voted up and down. Right, but then you're um, then you're you're at the subject to other people's opinions. I want to come in and I want to destroy you all. Let's say. There's no religion, and actually, let's bring you know some other deity that I've created in my mind. Well, if I can get enough popularity, then I'm going to be able to take that over. That's kind of the way Reddit works too, is to change minds and whatever. You want to offer something that's the truth, and you know what? I was not there when Jesus was present, so I can't tell you I witnessed anything with my eyes. But I have seen things in my life that show me the truth. And I mean, I, I mean, how deeply have you truly studied the Bible? the Christian Bible and talked with people and prayed with God and opened your mind and your heart to know what the truth is for you personally, because anything any of us can say is just a great story. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I can tell you about when I saw angels and it'll be, Oh, that's so cool. But that was only for me personally. You can't Mm -hmm. feel what I felt. So, I mean, how, how, how deep are you really delving into the God's word? Because it'll be verified to you in a heartbeat if you're truly searching for him. Oh, well, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I, I grew up in the church, you know, from age, I think I was saved probably at age four. And then, you know, I've, I've been a Christian most all my life. I was a youth minister and I preached Sunday evenings and, you know, in two different churches. I was, I'm a good guy preaching, teaching the word, but I don't know. I kind of, well, I saw, I, I think the thing that changed my mind was all the contradictions in the Bible when I eventually saw those and all the, can you oh, name them? what? Oh yeah, sure. Do, do you want to go there? Yeah. I mean, no. you say there's so many because yeah. there's two words I'd like to go if, if you're good, if, if, <laughs> if Matt wants, but um, the, two things, one, you say you used to be a Christian, mm-hmm. um, so you, I mean, maybe I still am. If if you know, once saved, always saved. Well, n- not necessarily. You're, you're familiar with with John uh, two nineteen, right? 
First John two nineteen is that the one they if they are, are from us they never yeah did they it? went out they went out from us but they were not of us for had they been of us they would have continued with us but they went out well that's that how it might become players. plain that they were not of us do, do you well, believe that well I think that's a really you know easy way to you know, discount anybody who leaves. No, yeah, it is because what it says is that they were hypocrites. That's not <laughs> pretending. Right. Yeah, they were hypocrites. I was not a hypocrite all my life. Says who? God, God, God that's kind of rude. So, so the, the point being is, according to what standard? You, yeah, you can't say you were a Christian and the Bible was your your ultimate authority, and then deny what the Bible says because your your feelings don't or experiences don't match. So I could have never acted as my as if not the Bible was my ultimate authority. I certainly did. Obviously, it isn't because you don't believe it. You left the faith. Contradictions, and and it's so, not. So you no. deny that that things can change, like that a Christian can okay. become an unChristian. No. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. A Christian can't be an unChristian. Oh, okay. But the point being is, an ultimate authority. You, if something is your ultimate authority, mm-hmm. you can't be convinced otherwise, right? It's it's the authority. Well, no, things no, can stop being an ultimate. Well, let me finish sentences. So, so uh, essentially what it is, is the real ultimate authority in your life was not God and the Bible, but you. No, no, you can have an ultimate authority and switch. Then that wasn't your authority. Yeah, it was. So do you believe that verse in First John? Well, no, I, I don't. I, I don't have a lot of, of belief in the Bible yet or anymore so much. There's so many contradictions. Okay. Except for the uh, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, no, I put that. I didn't say that I believe that in the book. I put that in there oh. for consideration. What's but you're the talking about wanting the... truth, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and no, truth no, no, okay. means you know considering the different options. Okay. So let let's and Matt. I don't know if there's you know we got a bunch of topics here. We could we could touch on. I mean, there's there's the issue of truth with a crowd sourced religion. Um, because you where do you get truth from? I'd I'd love to see us discuss these contradictions because I've seen countless number of websites with lists of contradictions, most of which you can even go to CARM and find the answers easily. Most of them are a lack of understanding of culture, history, or the people of the time, or the language. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, a, I, it's I did my best to, you know, to address the contradictions before I was overwhelmed by them so which name one what's, what's the the biggest well, contradiction that you saw well the the thing that bothers me the most and is most contradicted in the bible that i think of as the thing that really got me is all the different ways to be saved what? matt how many ways are there to be saved in the bible well no there's two there's actually two there is two i'll grant them that yeah actually there is you keep the law perfectly or through jesus but yeah no one yeah. can keep the laws so well, what other ways are there to be saved other than those two? There's all kinds of ways to be saved in the Bible. We're waiting. Okay. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll do my list. Um, 1 John 2.17. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Okay. That speaking saved? to someone who's already saved. So that doesn't count for your argument, so move on. Okay, so if you do the will of God, you abide forever. No, that's, that's talking to someone who already is a Christian. Therefore, that can't be a requirement to be a Christian. So, like I said, it's it's your lack of understanding of the text. He's not speaking to people who are trying to become Christian. That text deals with people who are Christian. Well, so why doesn't it just say, if you just to do the will of God, why does it add, abideth forever? Because once saved, you're always saved. You're not going to lose your salvation. Well, that's the claim. Let's move on to another one. Okay. Um... <laughs> 
let's see, Romans 6 to, uh, let's see, this is, um, let's see. Where are you reading them from? Let's see, it's the King James Version. No, I'm saying, are, are you looking on a website? No, it's a list of my contradictions. I have, it's a, it's a, it's a document that I have. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, website. I was just going to look up which one and see. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have a, it's not on the web. Um, this one, call on the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay. That's Matt already discussed. That is the second way of salvation. But just call on the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Is that true? Yep. Okay. That's not a contradiction. All right. Um, how about. Work your way to heaven. Uh, in Psalms it says, for you render to each according to his works. Okay, that's dealing with the issue of justice, not salvation. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's not salvation. <laughs> so justice doesn't have anything to do with salvation. No, you're, you're, see, this is, this is the thing people always do when they say there's contradictions in the Bible. They start pl- doing a, a logical fallacy called a fallacy of equivocation. You're using the word justice two different ways. There is an ultimate justice, and there is justice when it comes to salvation. But how someone becomes saved, as you said, there's contradictions there. We're asking, and so far you've used an argument for someone who is already saved, therefore it's not the requirement for salvation or how someone gets saved. You used one that refers to justice, has nothing to do with the topic of salvation, just justice in both, but that doesn't mean it's the same thing. So that's a category error. So so here would be a thing. Here would be a thing for you, Brawl. We talk about truth. And I know Matt wants to get back to talking about this religion that you, you want to start. But when you talk about truth, one way to determine if something's true, or let me use a different term, valid, is by using logic. You've so far used two different logical fallacies in claiming the Bible has contradictions. That makes your argument so far invalid. So what, what I, There's all you, kinds of different verses that t- say all kinds of different ways to be saved in the Bible. I know, and so far, you've given three, and not one of them is a contradiction. And they all say exactly the same way to be saved. They're not talking about salvation. So far, you, yeah, you, you, you not only dealt with one that has to deal with salvation, and that's to call upon the, the name of the Lord. And we agree, that's right. So, okay, so it says, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Abiding forever doesn't have anything to do with salvation. That's sanctification. Do you know the so, difference so between generation and sanctification? Equal eternal life? Hold on, you can't talk over me because I couldn't hear what you said. Do do you know the difference between sanctification and regeneration? Uh, What is it? Sanctification is a cleansing from sin, and regeneration is is usually I've heard of regeneration as having to do with the body. Okay, so regeneration is that point where someone is justified. They they the state that you're saying saved. It's when someone goes from being an enemy of God to a child of God. It's at one point in time that that God brings them to repentance, and they, they have eternal life. So they, they're, as you referred to, call upon the name of the Lord. Now, sanctification is the process that starts after they're justified. That's an ongoing process until they die, and you've just confused those two. If you want to talk about how someone gets saved, you're talking justification, mm-hmm. not sanctification. But you're talking about a different doctrine. You're talking about someone who already is saved so and why does someone who's already saved need to abideth forever i mean he that do- doeth the will of god abideth forever so let me ask you a question so if he did do the will of god would he still abide forever Roller, are you are you an american citizen yeah i'm in portland okay how can you become an american citizen now how can i become an american citizen now i could give up my citizenship and reclaim it you can't become an american citizen you already are one correct 
Well, unless I gave it up and reclaimed it. Okay, unless you gave it up. So, so if Scripture says you can't give it up oh. in the case of salvation, then there's no way that a passage referring to someone who already is saved can be referencing how to get saved. Well, it sounds like you're, you have your interpretation of how to be saved, and you're interpreting every other passage that talks about how to, how to be saved in light of one specific way. Uh, no, actually, it's, when we do hermeneutics, the, the science of interpretation, we look at the culture, we look at the context, we look at these different things. And when he writes to people who are already saved, writing to them, he's not going to be telling them how to get saved because they already are saved. It'd be like me trying to tell you how to become an American when you already are one. Okay, well, let's do one more. So that's not a contradiction other than in your own mind. Okay, well, this is a contradiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll give a couple more, and then I know Matt wants to get back to uh, discussing the, uh, the plans of, the, of your new religion. Okay, uh, here's one. John 3, 5 says, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay. Is that the same thing? So th- this is uh, John 3, 5. So there's this one would be because the Spirit is speaking of that regeneration that we talked about. So if they're born out of the womb... That's the water, and born of the spirit, regeneration. If he's not ha, doesn't have those two, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so what exactly is needed to be saved? Huh? What exactly is needed to be saved, according to you guys? Well, as this verse says, you have to be born. You have to be a human being. You come out of the womb, and have the Holy Spirit regenerate you. Now, you can look at this verse. You could look at the one that you said, "Call upon the name of the Lord." You could look at uh, Romans uh, eight, nine, and ten. Sorry. Romans ten nine nine and ten that says if you believe in your with, with uh, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that he rose no sorry I got that reversed believe in your heart that he that he rose from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord you'll be saved that's the okay. same thing well that's different than being born of water and spirit isn't it no that's exactly the same event okay that's being because at the time that someone gets regenerated the Holy Spirit indwells them that's being born of the Spirit. That's what that refers to. Well, what about if, this part? if you were a pastor, where did you where did you get your go for seminary? I, I didn't go to seminary. I was just a youth minister, and I I, I preached on Sunday evenings. Okay, I studied a lot. I, I I really want to say that whoever put you behind a pulpit should never have it. If you well, really you don't know how to... I preached, so that's an incorrect thing to say. I preach great, and you know I yeah, but I, you don't I, understand I, the basics of Christianity. You don't even understand what justification you is. Don't know what I preached, and you don't know what I said back then, Andrew. I had a totally different way of thinking about this. You don't, you don't know it now, is the point. So if you don't know... I, then, and I certainly know what I knew then, but that doesn't mean that the things that I know now are the same as what I knew then. Yeah, I know, but the point being is if you don't understand these doctrines now, how could you have known them then? It's not that you're saying you disagree with the doctrines and you believe they should be something different. You don't even know what they are. Which doctrine are you talking about? Well, we just went over justification, regeneration, sanctification, and you didn't have a right definition for any of them. So let's let's get let's get back to your religion that you're creating. So can we can we do a, a couple more different ways to be saved? Because sure. I, I don't think you fully understood this. I, there's the Bible has hundreds of different ways. It, so far, you have not come up with one contradiction. Well, right. You said they're all exactly the same. They all mean exactly the same thing. They're, they all refer to the same the same thing, yes. So, well, except for the ones that you refer to people who are already saved or something that has nothing to do with salvation. 
Okay. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father who is in heaven. Okay. So in order when, to be when saved, would, so, need to confess God before men. When would we confess people before, when would Jesus confess them before the Father in that verse? And you didn't tell me the verse, so I can't look it up. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Matthew 10, 32. So in there, in in that event, if God, if Jesus is, is doing that with the mm-hmm. Father, uh, yeah. wouldn't we have to be dead and in heaven? For that to be true? It's saying that if you confess Jesus before men, Jesus will confess you before God. Okay. So first off, that confession would... I, I don't see where that's going to happen here on earth, but let me let me just... No, ask. people confess Jesus before men a lot. And the so, Bible is saying, well, that's... That he, if you do that, if you confess Jesus before men, God will confess... Or Jesus will confess you before God. And that... Okay. And that so that. this is... What's the, what's the requirement for salvation here? Because... Here it says, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him I will confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Okay. So if I confess, if I confess God, about God, Jesus is going to confess to the Father about me. That's what okay. it says, right? Okay. How's that have anything to do with salvation the way you're saying it? Well, if it, so if Jesus confesses you before God, don't you get saved? No. That would actually say I'm already saved because I'm confessing the Father. Okay, well, why of Christ, which means I'm already saved. So this would be speaking of someone who already is saved, and they're now they're as a believer confessing. So this can't be the requirement for salvation. This is someone who already possesses it. Okay, well, we can do the inverse here. Who who therefore does not confess me before men, him I will not confess before my Father which is in heaven. I mean, you know, it okay. it's like it certainly seems like it's a salvation requirement, and maybe maybe or or just. That alone, it's post salvation. What? It's post salvation. Again, this is sanctification. That's your claim. Well, if it's post salvation, why does why does it matter whether Jesus confesses him before the Father in heaven? He's stating what will happen. A believer will confess God. Okay. Well, will confess Christ. Why does it say if? Well, uh, we'd have to look at the type of conditional clause that is there because there's four different conditional clauses in the Greek. Is verse thirty two? Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. So the, way, the way this would be translated is so then. So you're, if we look at this in the Greek. Now, whosoever so therefore then. shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Mm-hmm. It's just a different a different way to be saved. Um, no, it is not. It's not? So, so not, It's not so if the way you're using it. So if you confess, if I so, confess so. for men... Will Jesus confess me before God? Wait, you're in you're in uh, Matthew ten thirty two, right? Yeah. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, not if. Okay. So I- unless you're going to make the argument on the on the type of conditional clause this is. Okay. Well, so my question is, if I acknowledge Jesus before you, will Jesus confess me before God? I will. You will not do that if you're not already a believer. Oh, I, I can. Right I confess Jesus. No, you don't. That's your claim, and I've confessed. No, that's God's claim. Times. So, I've confessed Jesus all kinds of times to all kinds of people. So, was the Bible written in English? Oh, are we getting off topic here? Let's do no, one because you're making it about the word if. So, no, I'm not. No, we're I'm go not. Back to Greek. It, the it, word it, there should be so the that. Isn't even in the verse. It, the the verse says, "Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men." Him will I also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. There's no if there at all. There's a so everyone. Yeah, whoever does this, whoever mm-hmm. confesses me before men, 
Jesus will confess before the Father. So he's he's stating a fact mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with salvation. So again, I'm just trying to. I, I mean, we've gone through enough of these to show that. No, you, we haven't. Okay, let's let's do one more. One death, more. death also now save us, huh? not putting away of the filth of the flesh. Wait, wait, give me the verse so I can look it up. Verse is First Peter three twenty one. First Peter. 321. So baptism doth also save us, now save us. So does baptism save? Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt, but of the body, and as an appeal to God and good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So does baptism save? Absolutely. Baptism from water? No. Baptism of the Spirit? Yes, that's exactly what we looked at in John. That's one more way to be saved. That you no, it is not. So That's you, right back to being saved by water, by water and spirit. This is when the Holy Spirit indwells a person. That's called baptism. That's baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's what saves you. That is, so again, what saves a person is when God does a work. Several things happen. You become adopted into His family. You become regenerated, justified. You become spirit baptized. Okay, the Holy Spirit indwells a person. Um, I think I, I forgot a couple. Specifically, that saves you. What saves a person is God. What Jesus Christ did on the cross, and only what Jesus Christ did on the cross, saves so a person. And God re- brings them to regeneration. He brings them to repentance. It sounds like a huge thing, all kinds of different things. There's there's different aspects of it. So let me ask you a question. Uh, there's on, You have a coin handy? Okay, yeah. Okay, look at the coin on one side. Okay. What is it? It's a quarter. Okay, so that's heads? I don't know. One side's heads. What's the other side? Mm, some kind of duck. So duck. A duck? Yeah. Okay, and what's the side? What do you mean the duck? It's the duck side. There's a head side and a duck side. What about this? What about the one in the middle? On the side yeah. of it, where it has yeah. all the edges. Yeah, it has little lines on it. Okay, so so it's got which it can't be a coin unless it's because you know it's just got to have the head then. What are you talking about? I'm trying to use your argument. I mean, the coin has different facets to it, but you want to focus on one aspect and say that has to attribute to all of it. Well, no, my argument is that is that it's. It's there's there's all kinds of different ways that the Bible says to be saved. And that no, now there isn't. There's different aspects of the same event. One way to be saved. Now you're saying there's all kinds of these different aspects. And no, there's. I, I was I was quite clear that there's when when the Holy Spirit brings us to repentance and God does a work in us. That is when we get saved, which would be regeneration. At that moment, though we were once enemies of God, we become adopted into His family. Though we are guilty, we are now have eternal life in our our set free we're justified okay, so what we do we have filled with the holy spirit these are all simultaneous things that happen when someone gets saved which is a work of god god does that and brings us to repentance and when we repent we would be what you call saved but this is not a contradiction because this is the baptism of the holy spirit when the spirit indwells us okay so you, but you have to be baptized baptism no saved. you're okay. a fallacy of equivocation the, 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 said, the word here is to plunge in the Greek. You're, don't focus on the English. Okay, so plunging saves us? Yes, the plunging of the Holy Spirit saves us. When okay. God when God indwells us, we, he only does that when we're saved. Okay, so faith the saves same, us? Like belief saves us? Baptism no. saves us? God saves. Okay. All of the, there are different aspects of, that are simultaneous things that happen that describe different aspects of the same event. They're not different ways of salvation. And that's the thing. You're equivocating on that, and you're trying to take different aspects and saying it's not different. But the question is, how does someone get filled with the Holy Spirit? Because that's what this verse is talking about. So how does someone get filled with the Holy Spirit, Raul? I guess you guys don't think it's 
doesn't have anything to do with the person. It's whatever God chooses, right? Well, I would say that God works through the individual. So though, even though they they repent, it's still what God has brought them to do. God works through them. He superintends is the theological term for it. So that even their choices, he they choose exactly what he intended. Okay. So so I, we've gone through all the ones that, you know, we, we even did a couple extras for you. Not one of them contradict. Well, that's incorrect. They, they were, you know, we talked about baptism. First off, you gave me, I asked you how you were saved and you gave me a bunch of reasons. And then, you know, you added to them as we went on to different things. You added each time I gave you a different thing. You said, well, oh yeah, but this, this is important too. Oh yeah. This happens at that moment, but that's not how you get saved. You notice the difference. You're talking about an event that occurs not, and you say that's the requirement. And so you're, you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, what the the requirement is, how to get saved, and then you refer to things that happen at or after salvation. No. That's not how you get saved. That's no. what happens at or after. Well, maybe it should be more divinely clear. I, 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 well, I it, really it is like, quite clear. I really like your help on a few more of these, if you don't mind. There's well, I, I, I want Matt, Matt Matt's wants to get to some of the, the stuff with this religion you're creating, and I want to get to that too. So why don't why don't we deal with that? All right. Well, that's fine. It's fine. It's just it, these, the salvation um, problems well, are the biggest one that I have. And you well, know, if, if I could, if I could understand and, and get rid of the contradictions around salvation, I would be that much closer to salvation. Well, why don't you just ask me one of them? I'm sorry. I couldn't hear. I need to turn you up. Can you, can you ask me one of them? Ask you one of, one of these contradictions. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, let's see. Um, here's one that, that talks about, you know, having babies to be saved and Adam, uh, it's from first Timothy two fourteen and 15. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So childbearing has something to do with salvation now. Um, if you go to First Timothy two twelve and thirteen, it says they do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over man, but remain silent. For Adam was first created. Verse thirteen. Then it goes into verse fourteen, and woman be saved in childbirth. Mm-hmm. So what he's talking about here is the issue, the issue of authority in the Adamic structure, because Adam was the first uh, created person, therefore he has authority. So the issue here has to do with what a woman's place is in relationship to that authority. Now, what you don't know is that. In Greek, the word for salvation is soterios. One of the uh, goddesses that was a goddess of childbirth in Greek and Roman uh, culture, uh, there was a variation on the name, I think Artemis, but also was another variation of the name was soteria, which is similar to the Greek word soterios. And so they would be saved, the women thought they'd be saved in childbirth if they prayed to this, uh, this goddess. And so what Paul is doing is simply, as he often does, he switches context and topics. He kind of jumps from one thing to another sometimes to make a point about something. And he's saying, look, you'll be saved, soterias, instead of soteria, like that kind of a thing, uh, instead of this pagan system. You'll be saved through your childbirth, through the delivery of it. Keep your eyes on Christ. It what? seems to be a pun. It seems to be a pun that he's he's uh, placing in the Greek language. So are women try- saved by childbirth? No, no, no. It doesn't say that having babies is what saves them. It's saved. You'll be saved by and through, because the word there in the Greek can mean either one. And so, what it's just talking about there is uh, that. But it seems to be culturally that all that's going on is Paul's trying to get the ladies there to not pray and seek the false goddess 
of childbirth, but in the real salvation they're going to have. And one of the theories is that the salvation that they're going to have is through the birth process where the Messiah is. Are you going to look to the Messiah in the birthing of, of what's going on? There's different theories about what it means. That's all. It's just not a big deal. So a woman can't can't be saved by child child. Do you let me ask you a question? Do you actually think that the people of the, uh, the New Testament seriously? Do you think they're that stupid that they would say that a woman is saved from her sins and goes to heaven because she has babies? You think that's what they're saying? Let me ask you. Well, but that's, it, that's what it says. Let me ask you. Hold on. A direct question. I'm asking you a direct question, Raul. Do you think that's what they're saying? That they actually believed that salvation, forgiveness of sins, going to heaven was because you had a baby? Yeah, that's what it reads as. Okay. Well, you know what? Look, Raul, we can't, I can't do anything with you. You're very illogical. You um, can't think critically. You oh, can't think. Th Come on, man. I'm just reading what the Bible says. That's not illogical. Okay. Um Except the problem is you don't understand context. Okay, you, you know, let, let me explain something to you. For for example, there's a parable where there was a landowner and there was a wicked steward, and the wicked steward was, was found out that he was being bad, and the landowner said, "Give me the account of your of everything." And so before he did that, he went to his people under him and said, how much do you owe? I owe $1,000, make it for five. How much do you owe? $5,000, make it for $2,000. How much do you owe? You know, $800, make it for $400, right? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the landowner praised this, this liar, this cheat. He praised him. And Jesus said, and the landowner praised him for his shrewdness. Now, if you read that on the surface, isn't Jesus just then just saying that it's okay to be deceptive and lying or to get what you want and be safe? Yeah, I mean, he, he said that before in like Mark 4. So you're saying that Jesus is saying it's okay to lie and, and deceive and that's okay. Oh, yeah, that's why he told parables so that people wouldn't understand and could condemn, right? That's, yeah, Mark 4, 10 through 12. I asked you a question. Are you saying that Jesus is saying it's okay to lie? And that's what the parable was about, that he gave up the landowner and the, and the steward, the unjust steward. So oh, he's saying I, it's okay to lie? I don't think I would. I don't, I don't have an opinion on that. Okay, okay. look, let me explain something to you. Let okay. me explain something to you. The, land, the steward represented the landowner. Mm -hmm. That was his job. So when he went to the people who were the, the uh, workers of the land and he said, how much do you owe? 5000 make it for 2000 They assume that it's because it's the wor word of the landowner that this man is carrying out. They assume it's not the steward's job, but the landowners instructed him to do this. That's, what the, that's how it would work. He's the representative of, of the landowner. He's the representative. He would go in and reduce all the costs, knowing that everybody would think that what he was doing was what the landowner wanted. Everybody rejoices. In that culture, in that time, it was very important that a man's reputation was um, very, very revered, very, very important to him. Mm -hmm. So if it fa they found out later that the landowner had not done this and said, look, I want all my money, then all the celebration that these people were having in praising the the um, the goodness of the landowner, they're going to be even twice as upset and angry at the landowner and his greediness will be manifested before people and he can't do that. The shrewdness of the, of the steward is to trust in the goodness and the reputation of the landowner. And he said, Jesus says, this man's shrewd, good for him, because he even understood the seriousness of his position and where he was. And how much more seriously should you take the issue of salvation? For even the sons of wickedness have more wisdom when it comes to the sons of light. And he's talking to them. 
the point I'm trying to make is you can't understand a lot of things if you don't understand the culture. And so, therefore, if you just go through and read what it says and say that's all it means, you are just being ignorant. When you talk about 1 Peter 3.21, baptism now saves you, you didn't read the whole thing. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Corresponding to what? The immediate verse, verse 20, as it mentions the ark and the flood. Which of the two saved the people, the ark or the flood? Did the saving in verse 20 which which saved people the flood you know, killed everybody the flood right? killed people did the ark save people that's that's the story that's right then the next words are corresponding to that baptism now saves you what's he saying when he says corresponding to that what saves them that's the ark Baptism is refer referring back to the ark. So? so it's not an issue of water baptism, okay. which is why Peter then goes on and says, well, not the did, removal of dirt from the flesh. Well, so you he, don't understand what the issue of the baptism is there. What I'm trying to tell, tell you, tell okay. you Raul, is I, I just got to be direct with you. You have such a poor understanding of Scripture, poor understanding of the theology, a poor understanding that, and you don't even understand logic. That when you say there's a contradiction, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't understand. You commit fallacy after fallacy after fallacy. Okay. Well, I, I'm what I'm concerned about is this. What I'm concerned about is this cult that you're starting. You start. You guys are getting together, and I, I got to be straight with you. I want you to understand something. You know, I would say this to your face if I was there. I'd say it nicely, but I'd say you're being arrogant. You're being foolish. You're being deceptive. Okay. And I would and you say, don't, and you. Are start, you're making up your own religion and you're voting on what's going to be good and bad, which is a logical fallacy called argumentum ad populum. The majority of people believe something, so therefore it's true. The majority of people think it's good, therefore it's good. It's not true. true. We're claiming that it was true. But it's not true. You guys we're are not sitting. claiming it's true, Matt. Then if you're not claiming it's true, then what you're doing is being completely arbitrary in your religion. That's correct. You're, That's we're. No, Matt, you're not understanding what I'm talking about. Yes, I am. You're not understanding what I'm saying. What you're telling me is you guys go and you take different scriptures from different groups because you like them and you think they have value because you have this criteria of benefit and help and things like that, right? Well, you see, in my, in my book, to start a new religion, you have to address morality in some sense. So I've put down an initial thing that we can consider. That's all I've done. I haven't made truth claims. In fact, I've made claims that these are, are questionable, in fact. And right. I, I do you want to be questionable. Do you want to injure anybody? No. Do you want to help people? Sure. Yeah. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through him. And Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, except claimed all to be God. went to God without him in the Old Testament. Jesus was in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 3, Exodus 24, 9 through 11, Exodus, uh, Genesis 17, Genesis 18, Exodus chapter 6, Exodus so, 33. So did Moses see Abraham, see Jesus or God? He saw the pre-incarnate Christ. So not God. Now you understand, the pre-incarnate Christ. Is God? Jesus, Jesus did not come into existence until 2,000 years ago. The divine person, the second person of the Trinity has always existed. And the union of the second person of the Trinity, the word in human uh, with a human nature called the hypostatic union, that event did not occur until the inception or the conception of Christ. Mm. So that started. So when you say they saw Jesus, technically it's not correct. Moses didn't see Jesus because Jesus wasn't alive back then. Jesus is the one person with two natures that did not occur until uh, the the uh, conception. It's just that but you who said Jesus, the Old Testament. Who, who Moses and all the others were seeing was a pre-incarnate Christ. 
the word before the incarnation and it was called Christophanies or Theophanies, manifestations of God. So, and so they would when, see it was pre-incarnate Jesus. When, when God gave all those rules, it was really pre-incarnate Jesus? Every time you see God in the Old Testament like this, and there's a conversation or whatever, it's the pre-incarnate Christ. And the reason we know that is because Jesus says not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father, speaking of himself, John 6, 46. In 1 Timothy 6, 16, Paul the Apostle says that not that any man, or the Father dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen nor can see. They were never seeing God the Father in the Old Testament, they were seeing the pre-incarnate Christ. That's what that, that's a theology. You don't, you don't know this. Most Christians don't even know this. Well, can you say that one more time? If, that, if, if most people don't know, don't know it, um, then it can't be really necessary for salvation, right? Um, most people don't know that Jesus is a man right now. Most people don't know that he's resurrected the same glorified body that he was in. Most people don't know that Jesus was most probably sprinkled at his baptism. Most people don't know a whole bunch of stuff. But there are certain critical issues that people need to understand in order to not deny the truth. Right. What I'm concerned about with you is there's a judgment upon your heart and your mind. Yeah, the judgment. My mind. You, you need to read seriously. You need to take very seriously Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Oh, that's the one about everyone knowing in their heart that, you know, basically you look at the trees and, and you should know Jesus. It's starting at verse 18 to the end of the chapter, verse 31. Because there's a judgment that comes upon people for their unrighteousness. What you want to do is play God. No. Yes. No. You want to start a religion of truth. Uh, starting a religion doesn't mean you think you're God, Matt. It, you're playing God. Only God, has, God. only God has the right to say what is morally right and wrong. And he told you that? That's the nature of the infinite divine being who knows all things. Well, Since then, he's... Well, then why do I have a really good moral axiom that seems to work on all the different moral conundrums? Because something worked doesn't mean it's true. Well, why should it work? No, because all kinds of things work. Heroin addiction makes someone feel good. It doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah, it's right. Answering moral conundrums, Matt. You, it's there because you have hold on, guys. God and have a conscience. Um, okay. I, I certainly have a conscience. Hmm. What I'm concerned about with you, Raul, is that you're going to be contributing to people's damnation, and the judgment of God is upon your heart. And it, it, the evidence of that is already manifested in that you're believing certain lies. You're not believing in who God truly is and the revelation of the person and work of Christ. Well, and then I you're getting... You're getting together with a bunch of people and then you're having these discussions where you then form a religion out of your subjective experiences and desires. This is a form of arrogance. No, not out of, of, pride. Not, out yes, of not out of desires, Matt, out of reasonable thought. It's your desires that, that lead reasonable thought because you're not reasonable. You're yeah. not logical. So just I because to, because you I don't want, I'm unreasonable, therefore I want to do a reasonable thing. No, you're illogical. We have shown you, me and others, have shown you your illogic. It's not an issue of reason. It's an issue of your heart. And your heart is de desperately wicked and deceitful. This is what so the scripture says. Issue with my heart? That's what you just said. <sighs> I'm not sure how that makes sense. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Ron. Um, you don't have a basis for anything other than your subjective preferences. You sure. subjectively prefer Maslow's hierarchy. That's, you subjectively. Need is, is self-evident. No. Human are self-evident, Matt. Need is self-evident doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it does. If no, you it see doesn't. A baby, if you see a baby there that needs something real bad, what are you going to do? You're, are well, you going to say, well, that, that need doesn't mean anything? 
No, I didn't say that. I'm saying that you don't have a basis for what morality is in a yeah. universe. Need is a basis, man. It's an absolute. No, basis. need is nothing more than need. A growling stomach is a chemical reaction. Need. Is it a moral issue? When the stomach growls, is it a moral issue? It can be if you keep somebody from eating. Just, just, no, just the growling, just the chemicals reacting. Is it a moral need? Chem things growling is not an action. Your stomach growl. Okay, so yes, it is. It's an action. Your stomach so growling because there's not enough food in the stomach. stomach is, is the stomach moral or not? Okay, Raul, Raul, we're oh. going to move along. Seriously, I'm going to tell you something. I've been doing this for a long time. You actually have one of the least abilities to be able to, to think critically of, of, of people that I've ever met. I just asked you a serious question. You can't even answer a serious question. I just asked you, let me try Let me show you again. Let me show you again. A, an empty stomach, nothing more than an empty stomach. Chemical reactions cause the stomach to growl hunger. Is that moral? Is my stomach growling moral? Is it? It's an action. Is the action a moral action? It's a question. The stomach. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The is stomach, it a moral action? My stomach, I, as far as I know, is not a, a thinking is individual. Is it a moral action? If it was done by a thinking oh. individual, it would be a moral action. Okay. We're going to move along. Guys. Yeah, you're, you're just we're done. Done. We're done. Let's move along. And what you don't understand about this, this is okay. This is okay. Because he is asking a very specific question. He's asking, yeah, and you can't even answer a specific question. Action. But you oh, can okay. answer it because would, you answer let's it. Let's move along. Guys, let's move along. Would a stomach growling be moral? No. No, it wouldn't be moral. There's no morality involved at all in a stomach growling. Guys, that's look, that's what we wanted to Wasting our time here. Yeah, so I'm going to bring Edison in. Okay. Who'd we Three just minutes in? Oh, well, thanks, you guys. It was nice talking with you. All right. Nice it's, talking with you, Ron. Do you want to? Are we stopping talking now? Well, no, we're going to bring Edison in. Oh. So, so he can ask, ask his questions. So Edison, you can, uh, you should be able to unmute, unless your microphone is not working. I think he can. Ba he's barely able to speak. I can barely hear you. Yeah, I don't think you're. You gotta turn your turn yourself up. Yeah, I don't know that he's actually using. You're probably using the wrong mic. Your microphone's probably not the right one because you are so faint. And I got you turned up as much as we possibly can here. Um, it sounds like you probably think the microphone that's in your mouth is the right one, and it probably is your computer one. I'm going to bring, uh, who is this? This is DCN Joseph, um, or sorry, Don Joseph. So you can unmute yourself. Oh, no, I'm, I'm already, uh, yeah, I'm unmuted, actually. There you go. All right. Uh, Deacon Joseph. Oh, okay, Deacon Joseph. Hi. Yeah. Um, I'm trying, I... First off, I'm not exactly sure of the nature of the show. Um, I came on because I was on an Orthodox Catholic and Protestant debate forum. Someone put this link up and said everyone argues on this show. So I was watching this, and I, uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry, Raul, but I think the whole creating your own religion thing. I, I vote against that. I tend to, being Orthodox, think everyone's creating their own religion outside. So what are you? Uh, Greek Orthodox or Eastern okay. Orthodox, Western Rite Orthodox, if we're going to be technical. Okay. But Orthodox Christian. So what exactly is this show about, and am I in the right place, or should I just... Well, if, it, this yes. is a show where if you have uh, questions, apologetic questions, questions about religion, things like that, you ask, uh, usually Matt or I will answer as best we can. So, And that's what the show is about. Okay. Um, well, uh, I was actually just really just watching it uh, more of interest. I'm more interested in defending the Orthodox faith. Let's do it. Um, Let's talk. Well, uh, well, that's a... That's a 
very interesting uh, point. I'm not sure what exactly is your, I guess this is some sort of reformed uh, kind of thing. Well, we are reformed okay. here. Yeah. I'm, um, I would say Eastern Orthodox is not true Christianity. Oh, that's nice. Um, I, they, I, they feel the same way. Um, you feel the same way that it's not true? Then why no, are you in no, it? No, no, we, we would feel the same way in reverse. The point is <laughs> a mutual view. Uh, now, my question is, what exactly separates you from wrong? We're true. He's not. Okay, so you know? Bible. Yeah, but how do you how do you judge the Bible? By reading it. I don't no, judge it. I, I submit to it. I what don't I judge it. By that is, how do you know the Bible is the Bible? Uh, God, uh, Jesus says in John 10, 27, 28, my sheep hear my voice. That's self-referential. Uh, how do you know that the Bible is the Bible? I don't judge God's word. He reveals it uh, by the nature of what he does through regeneration. And we just how, know. How okay, did you, let how me finish my God? sentences, please. Let me finish my sentences. Sure, sure. Sorry. Okay. I've tried to answer you with scripture, with God's word. I am not going to submit God's word to my authority. I have to submit to God's word. God's word says, and Jesus says in John 10, 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and they follow after me. This means that true Christians follow the voice of Christ. Since I'm indwelt by the Lord Jesus Christ, I follow his voice, which is the revelation of scripture, Old and New Testaments. That's it. You can ask me all kinds of more questions about it. I'm just going to come back and tell you the very same thing. Well, That's how do you it. know what's in the New Testament? There were lots of books. In the God Testament. made sure by his predestination that the books that are there were sovereignly put there by his will, since he works all things after the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11. Wait a second. No. That's not true, though. Yes, it is. I just quoted the verse. He works well, all things after the, the counsel of his will. Yeah, but the point is those books were all books. The word mm -hmm. Bible itself comes from the Greek biblios. It's a library. So what? Who so what? the library? God does. Let me just work with him. God does. How? I don't know how God does it. He does it. He's the guy who's I can he's tell God. You how, I, I, I can tell you how. There were bishops in 300 who decided which Gospels were written by the Apostles. And which oh, oh, oh. It so, made up the religion. Well, they picked the books. <laughs> All right. So, so. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Well, you, you frustrated him. <laughs> Or I did. How did? How were the books selected, though? I didn't. I didn't realize that I was. I wasn't muted. The, the reality is, the question would be asked. Well, we wait for Matt to come back in. How are you different than Raw? You have a bunch of men that are creating the religion. A bunch well, of they, men. Yeah, decided. but they decided on the books that you call the Bible. God. No, the council decided that. No, they didn't. There were lots of. There were lots of false gospels, and it was the church. No, it was not. And what what Bible? What verse of the Bible says that we need to rely on men? What verse of the Bible says it's self-referential? Um, that would question. be that, well, uh, you know, First Timothy three sixteen. Yeah, but he says all scripture before there were even scriptures completely written. That's an epistle. It doesn't mean it has to be completely written. All scripture is God breathed. But that leads to the that's question. What, that's what makes it canon. Is the source of the author. Ah, okay, but at that time they were using the Septuagint, which is something that's not being used now. And there are books that most Protestants refer to as apocrypha, if I remember correctly. Even though those they were, were not scripture. About. They were canonical books of the church. The, 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 problem, the problem with the Apocrypha was the very men that you want to rely on to give you Scripture. When you put men in it, the men couldn't fit, could, were trying to add things to God's Word or take away things that were God's Word. But what made it Scripture is not the men. What made it Scripture is God spoke it. And so... Right. 
the reality is, you, Joseph, you and Rawl are no different. You you just have. I would say that you and Rawl are no different because you're both you're both using the Bible, and you're both not realizing the Bible was no. collected. You, you and Rawl are both working on a crowdsourcing religion of having a bunch of men that are deciding it. You're but you're basing all of your beliefs on, on God's word. The same crowdsourcing. No, of course. How, how am I? Okay, what's the crowd? Because I've I, Matt said it, and I said it. The crowd God. would be the church in the first. No, I never. N- listen, Joseph. Do you believe not, the church in the first four centuries? Joseph, try to listen. Okay, I'm listening. We never said church. You keep saying that, so you're arguing someone else's argument. Well, in Acts, oh, okay. we the presbyters were made in the church. Now, where's the church then? <sighs> See, this is why Matt got frustrated. You, if you, if you'd like to discuss with us what what we believe, you could discuss with us. If, if you want to argue with someone else, believes, I wasn't going to argue anything until somebody said Eastern Orthodoxy is a false religion. But then I thought, hey, I may as well throw my two sides. Well, and and here's why. I mean, you're you're proving it because your authority is a bunch of men, not God. But those men are inspired by God. How do you know that? It says so in the scriptures. Where? Where? Give me yeah. the scripture that says that these men that came hundreds of years after scripture were going to be inspired by God. You believe the apostles were inspired by God? They were dead by the time that you're talking. So, but they weren't dead when the Bible was written. So you didn't have a Bible. You didn't have a Bible until three hundreds. There was no Bible until three hundreds. There were epistles. Okay, so <clears throat> so the the Bible didn't exist. That's correct. There were epistles. Mm. There were epistles and there were gospels. So here's here's the difference, Joseph. You mm. believe men made the Bible. Therefore, it's not God's word. We I believe wait, God's why would, that, why would that be true? Let, let me finish or I will mute you while I speak. Okay? Because when you talk over each other, no one gets to hear anything. Okay? Okay. If your argument, and just to be honest with you, Joseph, if your argument is so weak that you can't let me finish a sentence, it shows your argument's weak. I'm not okay, and you're doing it still. The, what makes scripture scripture is that it was spoken by God, not men. Men don't make it God's word. It is God's word, as Matt said. We don't defend it. We don't try to justify it. It is because of its nature of the author of who spoke it. Do you see that difference? Oh, I see it. I just follow it to its logical conclusion okay what's which is what which is if those books disparate books of the bible 27 in the new testament correct yeah okay those books were written at diverse times and places yes by different people okay i agree there were competing gnostic gospels we're aware of the gospel of thomas the protoevangelion of james so on and so forth I disagree. No, those existed. You can't disagree. Uh, no, I agree they existed, but you said they were competing and that, that I disagree. Oh, no. Well, they were held by certain groups, Gnostics. Groups okay, certain men. Certain men. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. But but that's back to your man-made religion. That's but back, again, to, the, that's back without, to your crowdsourcing. Without the man-made religion, no Bible would exist today. Wrong. The, it, their history doesn't bear out your statement. Okay. You're taking God out of the picture. Yeah, exactly. The, the whole point is... Your, your assumption is... That, wait, wait, wait. Can I answer that for a section? Sure. Because you, so far I've seen that you've mentioned the men thing and I'm taking God out of the picture. If God inspired those men... if No. Gave, no, <laughs> let me finish. I let you finish. Sorry, I thought I was muted. If God inspired those men... And, well, we're not going to argue why or how that happened because that, that's an, a whole other discussion. But if God inspired those men to choose the books correctly, then the argument that it is a man-made religion is false because God had to inspire the men to pick the books. Am I correct? No. Why? 
okay, you first have the burden of proof to show where God has said that he inspired men, not his word. Um, okay, so you're saying that God did not inspire the apostles. No, he inspired his word. It's his word that he breathed through so men. What happened at Pentecost, exactly? So can I ask you a question, jo Joseph? Sure, sure. Um, the, the men are what make it inspired, right? In your view? Well, God is what makes it inspired. So it's not the men. Well, no, it's God and the men. So when the men write, it becomes inspired? No, when God tells the men to write, it becomes inspired. Okay. So in other words, it's not the men, it's God. Well, it's God working through men. Okay. So that's the position we said, and you told us we were wrong. No, that's what I'm saying is that when those men chose the canon of Scripture. Well, no, no, that's not different now. That's a different thing. How? Because we're not talking about men choosing it. We are talking about God writing it through men. So was it them, God writing it through men that made it scripture, or was it the men choosing it that made it scripture? Which one? I would say that it was God showing through men which scriptures were inspired okay, by so him. Now you've added a third way. No, okay. it's not a third way. It's the same thing. Well, okay, so we'll, we'll, try, we'll, try, we'll break it down. Mm -hmm. Give you all three. Was it sure. God speaking through men? that made it scripture, in other words, that God is the one speaking, or was it the men that selected the books that made it scripture, or was it this last one you gave where God spoke through men who later men recognized it? Which one made it scripture? I would say it was all three, because God is working through all of them. Okay. Um, and Ra's laughing. <laughs> you're, I mean, you'd, get, you'd probably get along well with his, his group, unfortunately. Um, Hopefully, I could convert them to orthodoxy. It, it wouldn't be any difference. I mean, it's still it still end up in hell. It's all God. subjective. Anyway, you know, people end up in hell in all sorts of different ways, and yeah. heresy is one of them. But there's a lot of different ways to go. Yeah, that, that's true. So here's the thing: what makes it scripture has nothing whatsoever to do with men at all. That just doesn't jive with history. Yeah, I know it jives with God's word. No, no, it doesn't jive with God's word either, either because the Bible doesn't what, identify itself. What makes it God's word? What makes it scripture? What makes it scripture is that it comes from the body of Christ. No, it comes from the mouth God. of God. Do you believe that the body of Christ has a mouth? What scripture verse says that... What scripture verse says... Oh, I didn't realize that that was a question. I'm sorry. Were you at, what scripture verse says that the body of Christ has a mouth? That, that it's... Cause, it cause, cause, here's, what, here's what scripture says. All scripture is breathed out by God. There's nothing in there about church. Mm -hmm. What scripture was he referring to? Uh, well, it says all scripture. So that would be the scripture that already was written, Which Old Testament. That would be the scripture that was currently being written at the time he's writing it, including... In this case, Second Timothy, which he was writing at that time. So it would include the Old Testament. Yes. And so now... Which, the, by the way, they the had that canon long before the New uh, Testament. Well, it's very interesting that you say that, because the canon of the Old Testament in the Greek was different than the Hebrew, which is why the Council of Jamnia was held in AD 70 to remove those books. But it wasn't until the completion of the Masoretic text that that occurred. So, if all scripture is inspired by God, I would turn that back on you and ask, are, say, the books of Maccabees inspired by God? No, no Jewish person thought that, that, were, that they were. That's actually not true. All Greek Jews thought that they were, and that's what Hanukkah was a celebration of. It was no, a that was not what Hanukkah was a celebration of. Really? 
you yeah. think Hanukkah was not a celebration of the Maccabees? Uh, well, see, see, see that I was raised <laughs> in, with 10 years of Hebrew school okay. and, and celebrating Hanukkah in an Orthodox way every year. Yeah, I think I do understand a little bit about Hanukkah, having been taught of it in Hebrew school every year. Okay, so, yeah. well, that's great. Hanukkah that's was great. a celebration of Judas Maccabeus having cancer. Judas Maccabeus, a who Jewish person. He's the leader of the Maccabees. Yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with the, with the books of the Maccabees. Of Maccabees being scripture. They were to do with historical events. So it had to do, Hanukkah is the celebration of them being at war with Rome and having uh, the oil that should have only lasted for one day lasted for eight days. Where does it talk about any of that in the Bible? Excuse me? Where does it talk about any of that in the Bible? Uh, well, that would be illogical to expect that something in an intertestamental period would be spoken of. I mean, the Old Testament, there wasn't the recordings at that time because the canon of the Old Testament closed at that point. So it isn't in the Old now, Testament. It's interesting because the early church always recognized Maccabees as canonical. <laughs> Only from your men, your, your counsel. The, the ones who picked the Bible, the books of the Bible. No, God picked the Bible. Did God come down and say, these are the books of the Bible I'm choosing? Is that what you're saying? Because if that's what you're saying, that's the Mormon argument. Oh, really? That's the Mormon argument? Absolutely. Okay, there's a logical fallacy. Um, No, that's not the Mormon argument. Not that I want to defend Mormonism, but Mormonism doesn't argue that. Because Mormonism has their golden plate, supposedly, that, that Joseph Smith translated, but that's not all of their scriptures, now is it? No, well, I don't know all of their scriptures. Okay. I can't so say I'm really authority on Mormonism. You don't know much we, do know about the, we do know about the golden plates. and, and, and Okay, so, so Joseph, Joseph, don't bring something up and, may, and use a logical fallacy of trying to say you that, haven't explained that to me. I'm wrong, Fine. because it's something like Mormonism, when you don't even understand Mormonism, because Mormonism has more authorities than just those, than just I will. Well, I'll, okay. I'll let the Mormonism yeah. drop for a moment. However, you still have not answered the question of how God picked the books of the Bible because He spoke them to who? To the guys who wrote it. He He superintended it so that they wrote it. When and then, it, the books magically came together from different places. So you, oh, magically. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering. I don't understand how you got the, here. The authority of it is God, not the men. You want to put the focus on the men and say we didn't have a Bible, even though it was written hundreds and even thousands of years before. Well, I'm not talking about the Old Testament. The I'm talking about the New. So the Old Testament's not Scripture? I didn't say that. I'm asking that. Of course, the Old Testament is Scripture. When did it become Scripture? It was, and that's a good question. When did it become Scripture? I asked the question. Yeah, quit throwing it back on him. Answer okay, the question. No. Well, I would say that that had that each of the you know the books of Moses were accepted by the people. The books of the prophets were accepted by the people. You know, there's people involved. The Old Testament. Well, which council was it? Which council? Well, it was a number of councils over time. I mean, the books took it, the books of the, the Old, Old Testament, Testament were which council three thousand years in the writing. Which council accepted the books of Moses? That's a good question. I can't say you. You're the scholar of Jewish history. I don't there, know. there was none. There had to have been. Why no. did there have to be? Oh, there had to have been because of confirmation bias. You're no, there had to have been because it doesn't make sense otherwise. We were oh. forgetting that there was a rabbinical council. If we remember Christ, no, there wasn't. There wasn't a rabbinical council. That's even an Acts. That's how Saint Paul turns the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <clears throat> uh, rabbinical. The rabbis, the rabbinical system didn't start until the the Babylonian 
I understand that because it was so that was that was about fifteen, give or take, like fifteen hundred, maybe like at least a thousand years, probably after Moses wrote. So you're saying there was no scripture Moses wrote? Well, they had prophets. Not at that time. They had judges. Not at that time. That came after Moses. Okay, so are you referring to the period of the Babylonian exile? I'm curious as to what period you're referring to, where the Jews the had first no five books of Moses. When did it become scripture? Was was Moses himself not an authority? What was the council? He they didn't have a council then because they didn't of have a council. They had individual prophets. So what made it scripture is. God speaking it. I don't understand why you have such a problem with God. I think part of the the reason why you want to get to it just being God speaking it is because you want to take out the human aspect of it. And that's important. The human human aspect was involved in the writing, and that was it. The humans don't make it God's word, as you're arguing. They don't make it scripture. It is the what makes it scripture is the nature that God spoke. Now the question becomes, how do you know that God did not speak through the Gospel of Thomas? Because he didn't keep it in his book. But he didn't keep it or take it out. That was taken out by the church. It, no. There were some people that wanted to add it in, and Let the rejected that. Okay, I want to ask a question, because we seem to be going in circles here. Do you believe that there was a church established by the apostles that continued onward after they died? Define what you mean by church. A living, breathing community with leaders established previous to them, eventually going back to the apostles. In other words, as St. Paul and other apostles establish elders in the churches, and we can go to Ignatius of Antioch in the second century, we can go to Polycarp, we can go to Clement. These were people established by the apostles. This We have historical records of this. So do you believe they had apostolic succession? Absolutely. And I think that, that by the time... St. Irenaeus is writing in the end of the 2nd century that was not only well-established, it was a way of distinguishing the Church from the Gnostics writing false Gospels. How do you know? Because, you know what, they had their their apostles too. But they did not keep the rule of faith. Who defines that? That would be defined by the apostles, because that's what Jesus Christ gave them. And that's what we call circular logic. The apostles decide what the rule of faith is, they didn't decide. and if you follow it, then you are in the church, which defines who are the apostles. They proclaimed it. They were speaking with the inspiration of God. Remember that whole God-inspiring men thing? Yeah, that's why we just stop with God. You, when you add human, you're adding all this in, and you want to have history as your your rule of... of well, it's not God. just history. It's, it's, all, it's divine history. Is there such thing as divine history in your view? I don't know what you mean by that. Is there a history of God teaching men and that men act upon it? We find that in Acts. Did it die with the apostles is my question. Um, when you speak of the position of uh, uh, the apostles, yes. Okay, what died? I just said the, the apostles. Okay, so the apostles, did, they estab- did they establish leaders in the churches? Pastors. Not apostles. Well, they established overseers. We would call them almost super overseers because they could go anywhere. No, we see them. We see people. Here's what we see. We see Paul criticizing people that want to say they're super apostles and super overseers. But he was criticizing we, other apostles. What we see is is God saying what you just said is wrong. We see that in scripture. Uh, 
to clarify, what did I? What did I say here? That there were our super apostles or super elders. We would call them that the apostles. That that's a, that's an orthodox kind of thinking on that. What I meant by yeah, them, but God's word says it's wrong. Okay, did the apostles establish overseers and deacons or not? Pastors and deacons. That's it. Okay. Well, they didn't. It didn't say pastors specifically. Pastors are more. It uses three terms. It uses the term for elder. Mm-hmm. Uh, bishop, Presbyteros, yeah, Episcopus, okay. yes, I'm quite aware. Or shepherd, uh, right? So now those, but it's but it's the same position. It's not the position that a apostle would have. So the no, of course not. Uh, apostles are unique and very rare. Outside of the twelve, they're extremely rare. You have the seventy, but that's we're not going to go into that. My deeper question to you is then: so you would agree then that the apostles did establish leaders in the churches? A hierarchical structure, if you will. Uh, did he? Well, no. But it's in the Bible. That's right. So, what is it that set it up? It wasn't. It wasn't the apostles, was it? Yeah, it literally was the apostles. No, it literally was the Bible. There was no Bible. Remember, this is Acts was one of the earliest books written. So even the epistles were not completed. Remember, Saint Paul's letter to the Hebrew Hebrews was written much later. The real question is. Since we're getting into the topic, did the apostles establish leaders and teaching in the church? I don't think any of us should dispute that. There's no reason to. Yeah, they're not apostles that they established. Okay, I'm talking about the 12 apostles, the ones in Acts. Yeah. Okay, did they establish churches no. in Acts? God did. Okay, God did through that. That We we, we kind of, I think, agree upon this, even though we don't want to agree on the terminology. Correct? No, terminology makes all the difference, because well, you're... Absolutely. Your focus is on man, and our focus is on God. Well, my focus is on man and God, because I believe God came to save men. That's no, no, no. Okay, God. let me ask it this. If we remove men from the picture, would God's word be God's word? Uh, I don't understand your question. If God wrote his word without human beings, would it be scripture? If God wrote his word with—let me see if I understand you correctly. If God wrote his word without humans—in other words, I— not sure how. I just assume, like with the with the the Ten Commandments, he just He's prints God. He created a universe out of nothing. You think he can't do that? I didn't say that. Okay. That was simply, as I'm trying to understand your thinking here. Well, I'm taking you're the you're human element out of your argument. I'm taking right. out the human element and trying to figure out what makes Scripture Scripture. I will say that what makes Scripture Scripture is that God spoke it. But my question is, why are you taking the human element out to begin with? Because that's not what makes it scripture. So the question is, why are you adding that in? Well, I that's why I'm, that's why I'm asking this question. If we take the, if we take the human element out of the process altogether, it's something else. It isn't the Bible. It's not scripture. It's not the Bible. Is it scripture? Is it? We've never yes. seen that. Okay. The answer would be yes. But the it's answer isn't. A, it's a theoretical question. No, it's not a theoretical question. It's based out of Second Timothy. Did God three, write, did God write through men. All scripture is God breathed. And it's all man. That's what makes it. There's no way around that. That's what makes it inspired and what makes it scripture. It's the men don't make it scripture. You're adding that into the process. And the reason I'm trying to to eliminate that is to see if you're going to say that it would be scripture. And you're saying, no, it won't. So fundamentally, you have scripture that's relied upon men, which is why you need your counsels. We'll call it crowdsourcing. You can join Rolls Group, and you guys can uh, I don't, I don't what scripture. Many times, heretics. Uh, uh, you're, you're, but you're no different than what Roll is doing. Well, you're I, getting, I'm you're still, having I don't a, really 
really understand what Roll is doing. Okay. I haven't actually heard his thing. I mean, it's, ca- it's called a council, is what he's okay. doing. The, 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 the apostles hold the council? It's, it's your council. It's a bunch of men getting together and deciding. The apostles hold the council. Roll's saying it's not. <laughs> I'm asking is, did what I asked is, did the apostles hold the council? When? Uh, during, well, during the beginning of the church. We, on, we only have record in Acts 15 of one council. It had nothing to do with deciding what books are, would or would not be scripture. It had to do with what you, we can eat, whether we have to keep kosher or not. Okay, but wait, but that was a council. So the apostles met in council. I believe the term used in the scripture is they met in council, correct? Yes. Okay. And so when... Councils are not unusual. Unbelievers met in council. Believers met in council. This is interesting. So believers and apostles met in council. No, unbelievers. Well, okay, but believer, did believers meet in council or not? We know the apostles did. You know, there's a council that goes on in Washington, D.C. That's great. It happens all the time. And they're not they're not the apostles. <clears throat> That's so right, but there's no, that has nothing to do with a council. The point I'm trying to make is if you're discounting councils because they have men, the apostles themselves did the same thing. That's not I what I did. I mean, you, you don't. Yeah, it was a beautiful straw man you built. Well, that's, that's my crowd, I mean, why were the apostles <clears throat> crowdsourcing in the Bible? I'm just curious. They, your argument is that they got together and it, the men are necessary. That's not my argument. That's the scripture. <clears throat> what verse? Uh, we want to go to the apostolic council. I don't. Keep my no, I said what verse, not what the council. Verse did they go together. We're not going to a bunch of men that had a council. We're going to the scripture. Okay, sure. Um, let's uh, give me one second here. Mm-hmm. I should just use Google. I'm so so old. You know, give, let me Google it. It's faster. Uh, so what we're going to see is that he'll go to a council because that's what Orthodox have is councils. Oh uh, yeah, uh, chapter fifteen. That would be Acts of the Apostles, chapter fifteen. There's a reference to it in Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter two. Oh yeah, no, that's that's totally different. That has nothing to do with scripture. But that's not your argument. But wait, did you just say okay? Your argument wait. is that the men had a council that the scripture says that the yeah, men the had to select the scripture. What verse is Oh, that? no, I didn't say that. That's what you said. No, I was talking about that the apostles have councils. That, we, we, the, we established that everybody has councils. Okay, but everybody... Unbelievers have councils. But everybody, unbelievers aren't the church. The question, the question was, uh, depends how you define church. There's no way... There, okay, did Jesus Christ establish a church or not? The term church... And if you get my book, What Do We Believe?, you'll understand that the term church changed over time. What is- it's become more and more precise. The term ecclesia has to do with voting. Do you know that? Um, go say that again, please. I missed that. I, that's, it's it, a it, Greek. It was when the Greeks would call elect, people right? for a vote. The, those called out. Yes, I, I'm aware. For a vote. Is that is is that the only thing that, is that what the church does? Is We just gather to vote on, on the government's policies no hmm, okay so it, it changed well it didn't change it's just really? has more more than one meaning it's right? become more and more precise only a door it's become more and more precise and the so whole, the well, whole so it became more precise this is interesting that you say that well you're you're agreeing with it because you're saying that you want to limit the church the ecclesia to just believers in jesus christ do you not you don't believe the church is limited to believers in jesus christ that's not what ecclesia would mean in its original i'm, I'm asking i'm not i don't want to talk about words you believe that the church is composed of believers in jesus christ or not again it, the universal church or the local church was there a difference historically yes 
No, I mean, was there a difference in terms of the definition I just gave? I'm trying to figure out the definition, which you mean it. Well, and that's why I keep asking. We're, we're, we have established, I'm trying to establish here, the church locally and universally was composed of believers in Jesus Christ. This is, it, this is not a, a big thing. That's what no, I mean. what, is, what is referred to as the local church includes believers and unbelievers that locally gather. and Unbelievers. Yeah, they go to they go to a, a place of where they worship. Roll would be an example of one who went and was not a believer. No offense, Roll. No, 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 can I interrupt just a moment? I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Um, I was really curious about you. you where are you talking about that? It was ecclesia that means the church was voting or something. Can you give me more information about that or where I could find it? Sure. The original term for ecclesia is the word. The term comes from the Greek. The first that we see it used is the term when the 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 Greeks had a system where everyone was required to vote. It's a real, a, you know, they tried to be a real republic. Okay, everybody had a requirement to vote, and that gathering for the vote was called ecclesia. That was the first time we see it used. It's changed over time. Well, um, you're talking about the secular term, not the spiritual term. I mean, when Jesus Christ said, "I'll establish my." Well, was he talking about the Greek Senate? And, and, okay, so so roll. What I'll do, I'll get you. Um, if you go to strivingforeternity.org, uh, there is an article on the church. Just search for church, and you'll find it. You should find it. Uh, okay. If not, um, Does the church have a have a history of, of of voting and kind of democracy, that kind of thing. No, it it wasn't. It, it the, the whole thing that that you'll see, and you'll see it also in my book. What do, what do we believe? on the the church the term ecclesia or church has changed and become more and more precise over time and it is used and that's why we have to establish how it's being used if it's being used as a universal or what's called the invisible church it means only believers everywhere in the world where does it say the church is invisible in the body these are, these are terms that people have used to try to explain the different ways people use the word church to be more precise, to refer different to those that are believers versus those who are in a building and worshiping God. Oh, well, I'm not going to talk about temples. The Orthodox term for I'm not talking about temples. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking saying about where you gather every week. Temple. It's not. We're, I, the point is, the church is the people. So that's that's not. My point is this: Was there a consistent teaching of what the church was, See, the word church, in the first and second century, and in the scriptures? The way that you're using it, no. Well. Okay. I'm sorry. You 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 can't sit here and say that we have to use a term that came years later and apply it back in time. But then you want to say when when we see well, that people use the word church different ways today that we can only use it the way you want it to be used. You, you wait, can't hold have on. Ways. But you, here's the problem. The problem with that argument is that there was a clear definition of what was the church in the first century. Really? Yeah, well, of course. It, and it had nothing to do with what you think it did, does it? It had uh, to do with a gathering of people. Uh, where, where, where would you come to the conclusion that it didn't have to do with what I believe it has to do? I'm curious. I, I, you, you just said because it the way the word was used at the time. That's how we do interpretation. We look at the way the word was used at the time. The word was used secularly, no, and the word was changed. used by Christians differently. Christians used it differently, correct? Right. And then, and as it, that became different, it changed. So yes, you can't take is, you can't take something that happens later and apply it to earlier. Okay, but we would establish then that by the time Christ says church and the apostles used church, that they had a, a specific and distinct meaning. And we can throw out the whole Greek Senate stuff. That was pointless. well. This, I mean, this was really good. You, you, I, I'll give you the kudos for your uh, 
obfuscation to try to avoid the fact that there is absolutely no scripture verse that says that men would have a council to determine God's word, which you claim scripture says. Okay, uh, I have a question. You keep asking, you know, this, and this is a great tactic for folks who are watching. This is what you have when people can't, when, when people have an argument that what? doesn't have an answer, what they do is just go, let me ask a different question. No, 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 no. I'm, different... I'm, I'm not asking different questions. Trust it's me. It's called a red they herring. They have a specific purpose. It's called um, a red herring. No, it's, it's not. And, uh, what does Acts 247 say? Since we've got to go to the scriptures. What does it say? It says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So You believe that? Of course. You don't believe that the men selected who would be part of the church? Well, I believe the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So so the men voting on who should be members of the church, that had nothing that to do with no, it? There was no voting. That, I don't know where this whole Greek Senate and voting fun stuff came about. I'm just well, I'm asking. just asking because that's how you believe we got the scripture. So, well, no, I mean, I so you're saying, I mean, I hold on, Joseph, I want to see if I get this right. You're saying that God can add to the church mm-hmm. without people involved, but he can't speak. Well, if he's adding people, word. people are involved. So um, since we've come up on the, the hour, uh, let's see. I, I, I did want to just point to one thing. I don't actually <laughs> believe that men voted on the oh, scripture. What I, if we look at what the council did at Nicaea, they actually put the Gospels down and left the room so that the Holy Spirit would hold on to which books were held. And that is how uh, the Gospel of Thomas was knocked off, and that is how the four Gospels were if officially codified. Yeah, see, and this is where we differ, because I would say they were never Scripture, so they were never knocked off. They were never but Scripture. You don't believe the Gospels weren't Scripture? Those were the four Gospels, you know, the ones in the Bible. The, Thomas was never knocked off because it was never Scripture. God didn't speak it. Therefore, it was never know that it wasn't that it was knocked off. It wasn't that there were men that convinced people that the other books were scripture. They were never scripture because God didn't speak. And what made it scripture is God speaking it. But that's not what historically happened, because you had saints of the church specifically saying this book is not scripture. This book was not written by an apostle. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what a bunch of men decided. If they're men inspired by God. They weren't inspired by God. It says they were they were inspired by God. That is that is the, the, the order of succession that you said they have to follow the faith of the men who say it's the succession. That's circular. So what I'm saying is that the men inspired by God. So here's the thing, Joseph. The thing is this. What you have is what makes it scripture is the fact that God spoke it. Not that men recognized it. Not that men, because I would say men recognize it. You want to say that men uh, inspired it, that men selected it. Men inspired by God wrote it and that it was then codified by men inspired by God. I think that that would be the most logical thing to say. So when when did the New Testament, Andrew, w- w- how, how do you think the New Testament actually, you know, became scripture and and when? When it was spoken by God. So we had the New Testament like as soon as as somebody wrote the first book. Because what makes it scripture, what makes it inspired is that it is God breathed it's god spoken that's what makes it scripture and so when soon as god speaks it by the nature of who god is that makes it scripture now men recognizing it doesn't make it scripture as as joseph wants to argue it is that god historically happened so 
I'm just wondering when we got the New Testament. Well, the New Testament would be a different question. You're asking when the canon was recognized, when God's word was recognized. That'd be when different. Humans have the New Testament scriptures. So, um, all right, I got the link. So I will give you guys here the link for the after show because this show is a couple minutes over. I'll give this in for folks in YouTube if you want to go. The council has the after show, which the council, by the way, uh, and Joseph will appreciate this. The council was actually set up because they were uh, debating with a bunch of uh, Eastern Orthodox who would always have to uh, go back to their councils to make their arguments, uh, sort of like Joseph is would have had to do if he's going to try to go well, to something. I, I, I mean, I, I and, could argue directly from Scripture, and, but I'd like to discuss the Scripture, you know, how, so, how it got there to begin with. Okay. So we're, we're, we're going to, we're closing out the show. Uh, there's a link for folks uh, both in YouTube and in the chat here if folks want to go to the after show to continue discussion. Joseph, if you want to come back next Thursday, uh, sorry, not next Thursday, there will be no show next Thursday. My bad. No show next Thursday. Every other Thursday, uh, we will be here. If you want to come back and continue this discussion, we'll, we'd be happy to do that. Um, we, you could just go to apologeticslive.com every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time. The link to join will be there all the time. This is a ministry of striving for eternity. We always appreciate the quorum.org and Matt Slick and what he is, uh, what he brings to this, even though he uh, got frustrated. Uh, but the thing is this, uh, we, we do want, you know, uh, you know, roll, you're still here. Um, we care about you. All right. I, I know that you and Matt and I dis or Matt and I disagree with you, but the thing is where our concern is, as Matt tried to say is, is, is the fact that, you know, you have, you're trying to create a religion. You're trying to create, and, and we understand this. It's, it's no different. Men do this. People do this. They try to create something that makes them feel better about who they are, that, that realistically, and I know you're going to disagree with this, and we could talk about it in the after show or another show, but th- what it ends up doing is it ends up being that people try to create something to make them feel better about themselves and to really not get right with God God's way. So let me just explain what the gospel is. And so at least you know that you've heard it, okay? Because I don't think in in the in whatever church you grew up in that you you properly heard it or at least you didn't understand the terminology and the meaning of it. So this is the thing. You and I both break God's law. You referred to the 10 commandments. 10 commandments are a great example of laws that we can never keep. When we look at the 10 commandments, they are there the law is a tutor to us. It is there to show us a mirror to reflect to us that we cannot keep God's word. We are sinful, we break his law, we're criminals in his sight. Because God is infinitely holy and infinitely uh just, he must bring with our crimes an infinite consequence. Now, the problem is it would take us forever to pay an infinite consequence. However, an infinite being can come into time and pay that fine once in time, and because he is infinite, that time would be paid for all of eternity, and he can pay it for more people because he is not a temporal being, he's an infinite being. This is why Jesus Christ being fully God and fully man is so important, because being the fact that Jesus Christ is fully God, it shows that Jesus Christ is that infinite being. Being fully man, he can 
have never sinned, never broken that law, and be that perfect sacrifice. So when Jesus Christ died on that cross, we who break his law, the only way that we can get right with God, which we were talking earlier about what is salvation, that entry point of salvation is used three different ways. It, it's speaking of uh, that point of gen- uh, of regeneration or justification. It is then that point of sanctification, that process where we become more like Christ, where, where we, be, we have that cleansing. And then there's glorification, the moment we die where sin is eradicated from our flesh. And so what you see is that the term in general is used three different ways. Here's what we talk about when we talk about justification, it is we us getting right with God, and we do so when God brings us to repentance. We recognize our sin before a holy God. We come to him. We ask forgiveness of our sin, recognizing that he is the only thing, the only being possible that can pay the fine that we owe. And that is what salvation is. And I, I do have a concern, as Matt does, for your soul and the souls of the people that you're leading into damnation. That's our concern for it. And, and it'd be for the others. I mean, just like for Joseph, look, folks, we don't ask whether you all agree with us. We're here to, to take your, answer your questions. If you want to challenge as happened more tonight, we'll, we'll try to answer those challenges. But this is something that does have serious, I know that the question was asked of Roll earlier, whether he's just having fun or something like that. There are some people that do that. They, they take light of it. But these are serious matters. These are literally the difference of eternal life or death. And so my challenge to anyone that's listening is to consider these things and to recognize that literally your eternal soul hangs in a balance. What you do with Jesus Christ makes literally all the difference in the world. And so my plea to you is that you repent, turn from trusting yourself as a good person, trusting your good morals, your good works, trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. That way you may have eternal life. And so that is the message we'd have. We will not have an Apologetics Live next week, but but please subscribe to the Apologetics Live podcast, whatever podcast app you have, so you can get the audio version every week. Also, Make sure that you subscribe to the Christian podcast community to get all of the podcasts that we have. And I will say this, that this past week on my Rap Report Daily, my two-minute version podcast, uh, we did have, this week we dealt in two minutes with many of the issues brought up here today, specifically what happens at salvation. That would have been Wednesday's broadcast. So for all, that would be a good one to go and check out. Just search for Rap Report this week. I think it was a Wednesday one on salvation. Um, And even in two minutes, we try to explain all the things that go on at that point of salvation that Roland and I were discussing earlier. So, folks, we're glad you paid attention. You tune into what's going on. Please come back. Bring your questions. Bring your challenges in two weeks for the next Apologetics Live. Till then, strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.